You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, there's a lot of stuff coming up this fall. A couple of things that I wanted to mention to you this morning is that there is a class called Financial Peace. If you want to learn how to use money and control money God's way, that would be a great class for you to get to if you're off track a bit financially. Help you to get back on track and to live according to biblical principles in regard to money. And that starts September the 8th and then on the 11th, another class like Financial Peace University would be called Legacy Journey. And what it helps you think about is leaving a legacy and living a legacy and making a great investment in your world. And so that happens on September the 11th. I was, I was shaking hands in one of the serv- first services this morning. And a lady comes to me and she goes, Pastor Rick, I love this. This study guide, she said, this is helping me get in the Word every morning. And so I open this up and I read the scriptures that are here. And I deal with the questions that are written. And so it might help you to get in the Word every morning, starting with this guide. And so I didn't know if maybe you realized it was here, but it's available for you. If you want to get into that, you can as well, okay? I'm excited to share God's Word with you this morning. You, uh, you remember a guy whose name is Dwight L. Moody? You, do you know that name? Just kind of wave, just a, a little wave if you do. Got a lot of waves. He was a, an American evangelist, revivalist, and he lived in the 1800s. In fact, he died in 1899. And so there's a lot of people who quote Dwight L. Moody, but out of all the things that he is famous for having said, this is maybe one of his most famous lines, Okay. I'll put it on the screen so you can see and you can read it as I'm reading it to you. But here's what it says. The world is yet to see what God will do with a man who is fully consecrated to him. And then he adds the line, by God's help, I aim to be that man. The world is yet to see. What God will do with a man who is fully consecrated to him. By God's help, I aim to be that man. I I guess I'm kind of interested if you are tempted to think about your own life when you hear those words. In regard to your relationship with the Father. And I suppose that there are people on both ends... Or extremes, rather, of that conversation. Can you look at me for just a moment? Is there anybody saying, Rick, it's just not my conversation? I don't think in language like that. That's not where I'm living my life right now. I don't think about, I don't pray about, I don't talk to friends about being fully consecrated to God I mean I'm at church this morning I think that's good I believe in God I believe in Jesus but honestly that's not on my radar I don't think like that and I suppose there's somebody on the other end of the conversation that says hey Rick look into my eyes and hear me when I say it by God's help I want to be that person I want to live my life like that So let me ask you another question. I'm going to borrow the words of Paul from the book of Galatians to ask this question, okay? Are you at a place in your life 
where you would say that I have heard God call me and I have made a decision and I'm borrowing Paul's language. I've made a decision to walk by the Spirit. I've heard God call me and I have made a decision to live my life by the Spirit. In other words, to let the Holy Spirit guide me through life. I'm living my life according to the Spirit. And so I want you to think with me about that phrase and what it means. And and I'll show you those words in in the Bible, in in the book of Galatians. I'm going to start in chapter 5 and I'll begin reading with verse 16, okay? But let me chat with you about it just for a moment before I read. Uh, Paul is the guy who writes the book of Galatians. And it says very clearly in the first chapter, I'm writing to the churches in Galatia. And so it means it's a letter that was intended to be a circular letter. It it was going to go to this congregation and then to this congregation. And after they read it, they were going to send it to another congregation. In the mind of a Jewish person, until Jesus comes, the only way you can be made right with God or be justified with God is by keeping the law. Jesus comes and he dies on a cross. And Paul begins to talk about the gospel when he writes about it in this language. We are justified or we receive salvation, not by works, but by grace through faith. This is a gift from God. This is something God does for me. It's something that God gives me. It's something that God does in me. And so the the greatest fear that people had was this. Well, then am I just free to do whatever I want? And Paul says, by no means. You're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, out of your love for God, let God's Spirit lead you through this life. And live your life following the Spirit. So, with that in mind, let me read these words to you, okay? Uh, We start with verse 16, and in regard to everything I just said to you, summing up what he said so far, now he says, so I say, live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. I mean, it's, it's two different lives. To live by the Spirit is one life to live gratifying the desires of the sinful nature. That's another life. They're in conflict with each other. It's not the same life. You can't do both in the same life. So they're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You're not living to justify yourself by your works. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And he makes a list. The list is kind of a rough list. You ready? I'll read through the list. Here we go. I told you it's a rough list. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Debauchery. What does debauchery mean? It means no restraint in life at all. Whatever feels good, that's what I will do. No restraint at all. Idolatry and witchcraft. What is interesting about the word witchcraft, it really refers probably more to the drug use practice in sorcery. So it's really a lot about drug use. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, 
Stepping on who I have to step on to get to wherever I want to go. Dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. Always grin when I read this last phrase. And the like. And whatever else you can think of that fits in that list. I mean, just everything that's bad. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Hey, I'm warning you guys. I mean, that's kind of the tone I think he's saying that with. If all of that stuff is in your life, or if some of that stuff is in your life, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. But the fruit of the Spirit, what does that life look like? Love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness. And faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, against such things there is no law. And so those who belong to Christ Jesus, do you belong to Christ Jesus? Because those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and with its desires. So since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. In other words, if we're living by the Spirit, we're not going to be hurting each other's feelings and stepping on each other and being unkind and hurtful and devouring each other. So may God bless the reading of His Word for today. Amen? Amen. I remember reading a story uh, a few years ago, and I liked the story. It was a story about an old Cherokee who was talking to his grandson. And so here's what the old Cherokee says to his grandson. He says, it's almost like we all have two wolves living inside of us. One is full of bitterness and envy and rage and unkindness and anger. But the other wolf, he says to his grandson, is filled with love and kindness and goodness and what is right, and gentleness. And so this little boy, he ponders what his grandfather has told him. And in a minute, he looks up at his grandfather and he says, Grandpa, these two wolves living inside of us, which wolf wins? And the old Cherokee said to his grandson, the one that you feed. I kind of like the story. And almost everybody I tell the story to, they say, okay, I get it. Whatever I tend to feed is what grows in me. And so when we hear the story in light of the passage I just read to you a moment ago, I think what we do is we try to apply that kind of thinking to the passage. In fact, early on when I began to read that passage in my life, that was the kind of thinking that I applied to it. Okay, I think I get it. So, so if you feed the Spirit, then the Spirit just grows and flourishes in your life. But if you feed the sinful nature, then the sinful nature just grows and flourishes in your life. There's a problem. And the problem is that's not what Paul is saying in this particular passage. While the old Cherokee has something good to say, and while I believe that the appetites in our lives that we feed tend to grow and get bigger and flourish and want more attention and more attention and more attention, that's true. I think what Paul is saying to us is something much richer and much deeper than that. It's not like we live our lives with two equally 
powerful forces who were drawing and begging for our attention and our allegiance to them. That is really dualism. We do not believe in dualism. We do not believe that there are two powerful forces. We believe there is one supreme power, and that is God alone. And what Paul clearly preaches throughout his writing is that there is freedom from this force of our sinful desire in nature. You don't have to live your life under the control of the desire to sin. I, uh, I lived for, for 10 years in Cincinnati. And so when you go to a new, a new place, they talk a little differently. Uh, they, they have phrases and language that they use. Like I remember when I was in Georgia, they used to always talk about cutting that light on. And, and I just rebelled. I just said, you can't cut a light on. That's impossible. You cut lights off. You don't cut them on. Or they would talk about hose pipes. I would say, it's not a pipe. It's, it's flexible. They said, that's why we call them hose pipes. They're flexible. When I came to Oklahoma, I heard people talk about fixing to do stuff a whole lot. <laughs> would you please come on? I'm fixing to. Um, in Cincinnati, I was only there for a few days when I would notice people saying to me, in the middle of my talking to them, they would say to me, please... I mean, I would just be talking away and all of a sudden somebody that I'm talking to just looks at me and says, please. So the first time that it happened, I just ignored it. I, th- I thought, I don't even know what that person's saying right there. I don't know. Not even know. The second time it happened, my friend was talking to me and I was just talking away and, and I'm talking to him rather. And, and he says, please. And I said, I don't know why you just said please to me. And he said, I don't understand. I said, I don't know why. You just said please to me. And he says, no, that's what it means. It means I don't understand. Have you ever been around anybody who has done that in your life? Everybody in Cincinnati does it. You're just talking away and all of a sudden they go, please. And, and it means, would you repeat that? Or I'm not following you or I don't understand. I'm thinking, why don't you just say, I didn't understand you. When, 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 I read, when I read Paul, there are many times that I want to lean forward and say, please? I don't know that I have any idea what you're talking about right now. M- many times when I'm reading Paul in the New Testament, I just kind of hit a pause button and just say, okay, wait right there. I'm going to go back and reread this and maybe I reread it again and again. What? What are you trying to say? Lots of run-on sentences with Paul. So if that's not what you mean, what do you mean? Let, let me think with you for a little bit, okay? Paul, Paul talks about really two separate lives. He talks about the flesh. You remember the Bible is written in Greek. The word for flesh is sarts, okay? And it really means human nature. But in this context, it even means deeper than that, human nature that is prone to sin. Sinful nature. Remember we talk about how we are bent. When God created us, we weren't created straight up. If this is good, if this is bad, if this is God and good and this is evil, we are kind of created like this. We're kind of bent. Our human nature, our sinful nature. 
He always also talks about the word spirit and living by the spirit. The, the, the word is pneuma, and it really refers in this context to the third person of the Trinity, God's Holy Spirit. And so he says, you either live your life by the Spirit, or you live your life by the flesh, the sinful nature. There's another word that I think we need to talk about to help us get to where we need to go, and that is the word peripatao. If you just translate it from Greek to English, it means to walk like a person physically walking. And so when you get to the book of Acts chapter 3, there's a story about Peter and John going to the temple to worship, and there's this crippled man that his family brings and lays him there every day, and he begs for money. Peter and John walk up to the guy that looked him straight in the eye, and he asked them for money. And they said, we don't have any money to give you, but what we have, we will give you. And Peter reaches out and he takes the guy by the hand and he says, stand up and peripatao. That's the word that is there. Stand up and walk. And the Bible says that the man stood up and strength came into his legs and his feet and his ankles. And he began to peripatao. He began to walk. That's the literal use of the word. However, when Paul uses the word, very seldom does he use it literally. Most often he uses it figuratively. And when you use the word figuratively, it means this. It means the way you conduct yourself or the way that you regulate your life or very basically the way that you live, the way that you walk. So what does your walk look like? How do you live your life? And so here he challenges us to walk by the Spirit. Let that be your way of life. Let the Holy Spirit lead you through this life. And follow the Holy Spirit as He guides you. And then he talks about how the two are in conflict with each other. You cannot do one while doing the other. If you are here at Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, you cannot drive to Edmond and you cannot drive to Moore at the same time. One is north, the other is south. It's two different directions. And Paul says that's what the Spirit in the flesh is like. You can't walk by the Spirit and gratify the desires of the flesh. It's impossible. We are talking about two different ways to live your life. One is to be led by the Spirit. The other is to gratify the desires of the flesh. And you cannot do them both at the same time. Because if you are gratifying the desires of the flesh, you are not living by the Spirit. Case closed. The message translates it something like this. You cannot all the time do one thing while all the time doing another thing. And so, Paul is not describing a person who says, wow, I wake up in the morning and I kind of want to do what I want to do, but I should do what God wants me to do. Today I think I'm going to do what I want to do. Today I'm going to gratify my own desires. 
whether it's sin or not, whether it's wrong or not, whether it's selfish ambition or whether it's sexual immorality or whether it's envy or whether it's greed. I'm going to do what I want to do. Tomorrow, I'll probably follow the Spirit. And you know what Paul is saying? That is impossible. You cannot do both. They are in conflict with each other. And if you are gratifying the desires of the flesh, you are not being led by the Spirit. And if you are being led by the Spirit, then it is impossible for you to gratify the desires of the flesh. We're talking about two different lives. And what Paul is saying, I'm calling you to choose. Because God is speaking to you and I'm calling you to respond to Him. And make a choice that you're going to live your life being led by the Spirit. So on Friday night, Annette and I go out to eat with this couple who attend our church. And we're sitting at a restaurant, we're eating dinner together, and we're talking, and we're laughing, and we're enjoying getting to know each other. And kind of in the midst of all of that talk and a lot of talk, the wife says to the husband, well, you should tell them about that, or you should share that with them. And it wasn't that he wasn't willing to, it was just there was a lot of talk. And again, I heard her say, yeah, you should, you should tell them. And finally I said, I think your wife is wanting you to tell us something. And he says, yeah, I'm glad to tell you. So here's this guy that's around my age. He said, long about November, I came to a place in my life that I, I don't think I would have even referred to myself as a good man. He said, I remember one day feeling very heavy. And I was thinking about some men. And I would look at them and say, that, that, that's a good man. He said, I don't think I would have even called myself a good man. But he described to us the journey that he had been on since November. And he said, it came to a culmination one Sunday morning when we were at church. And after the sermon, there was this invitation to come and pray. And he said, we were sitting back in the back of the church and I got up. And I walked all the way down that long aisle. And I get down to the front and there's people at the altar, but there's this one space. It was just like it had my name on it. That space was just there for me. And there I was kneeling down and I began to say this to God. There wasn't a lot of emotion. It wasn't like that. God, I want to commit to living my life in obedience to you. God, I want to surrender my life completely to you. To borrow words from Dwight L. Moody, I want to be fully consecrated to you, God. And his wife jumps into the conversation and says, And now I don't even know who this guy is that lives in my house. He is so different. It's awesome. It's wonderful. It's incredible what what God has done in him. It's a guy who goes to church every Sunday. But one Sunday he gets up. And he walks down a long aisle. And he gets on his knees and he says, Today I'm making a choice. I have heard you calling me, God. And today I've made a decision to walk by the Spirit. And you can lead me now through the rest of my life. 
I, I love this language that Paul uses in this passage because he says, those of us who belong to Christ, he says, we have crucified the sinful nature with all its passions and desires. In other words, he's saying, that's not the life we live anymore. Those of us who belong to Christ, we've made a choice to be led by the Spirit. And now what happens? The, the Spirit of God leads us. This is not who we are anymore. And so when you look at Jesus' teaching about the Spirit, in John 14, Jesus says, the Spirit will teach you. And in John 16, the, the, Jesus says, the Spirit will guide you into all truth. So you say, Rick, if I made a decision today, because I have heard God call me many times to this deeper life. And if I make the choice today to let the Spirit lead me, if I make a choice today that says I'm going to walk by the Spirit, then then what can I expect? And Paul says two things are going to happen in your life. Number one, you will not do the acts of the sinful nature. And you remember this list. He says you will not participate in sexual immorality. That won't be a part of your life anymore. And impurity will not be a part of your life. And debauchery will not be a part of your life any longer. Just this no resistance to whatever might feel good in the moment. That will no longer be a part of your life. Drug use is related to sorcery and hatred and discord and jealousy and fits of rage and selfish ambition and dissensions and factions and envy. And drunkenness. Did I mention drunkenness? And orgies and and the like. I guess just throw some other stuff in that list. But you know what your life will begin to look like? It will begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And now your life will begin to look like love and joy. And peace and forbearance. And kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I I think most Sundays when I preach, if what happens is what I pray that will happen, then, then we're kind of having a conversation together. I know I'm the only one talking, but I hope you're thinking with me. And I hope you're asking questions in your head. And I hope you're challenging me. And I hope you're saying, well, then what about this? And so sometimes when I'm planning to preach, I just make assumptions about what some people might be saying. And so I'm going to make an assumption. Annette and I, years ago, our girls were really little. We were in a furniture store and we were shopping for a recliner. And the recliner was for me. Annette has never really desired to have a big recliner to sit in. And so, to buy a recliner for our house, there's all these things. You know, it can't look like a recliner. Um, and for me, that, those are the best kind, you know. <laughs> you know what's kind of funny is only guys are really laughing right now. Um, so we go into this furniture store, and, and this lady is showing us all these recliners. And we, and we see this recliner that was just... It was perfect. It was, it was the right color. It was kind of in, in the family of red. It wasn't like a bright red, but it was kind of a deep red. and It was just going to fit our family room perfectly. It was the right size. It was the right look. I mean, it was, it was perfect. Annette and I just sat there and we took turns trying out the recliner. And we just said, you know, this recliner is perfect except just for the price. It was a very expensive piece of furniture. 
And it was way beyond our budget. I mean, way beyond our budget. And so we kind of got up and walked away from it. You know, we're putting little girls through life. We're not going to spend that much money on a recliner. And so the lady who was walking us around the furniture store, and don't you appreciate the people who walk you around furniture stores? <laughs> says to us, well, that's all the recliners we have. We do have a scratch and dent room over here. I don't know if there's any recliners in there, but you're welcome to go in if you want to go in. And so we said, well, sure, we would, we would love to go in. And so we go into this scratch and dent room, and sitting right in front of us is the exact same recliner. I mean, the same recliner. The only difference is, is that there's a scratch in the seat on the leather. Maybe the size of a quarter, maybe a little smaller than that. And they've got the thing knocked down to about one-fifth of what the one on the floor is selling for. We were just, ama- you mean they're asking only this much for this, yeah. Just going to move it out of here. And I remember Annette just saying to the lady, it's perfect, we'll take it. And I looked at Annette and I said, are you sure? And she goes, Rick, I'm telling you, a little bit of red dye on there, I, I, I think you'll have to look hard to see it. And I said, okay, we'll take it. And so we took the recliner home and Annette does a little red dye and works her magic and you would just have to look to find the spot. And that recliner served our family for years and years. In fact, uh, a couple weeks ago, we loaded that recliner up and we brought it over to SNU and we carried it up the stairs to a dorm room. And uh, Morgan's using the recliner now with her friends. So here's my assumption. Rick, when I listen to you talk about this life, I don't know that I could ever live it. Because I've, I've committed a lot of acts of the sinful nature. I've done some bad stuff. If you want to talk about damaged goods, Pastor Rick, that would be me. If you want a poster child for the scratch and dent room, that's who I am. And I can't ever imagine God being able to take my life and make me a person who is led by the Spirit. And I want to tell you this morning some really good news. God looks at you today and He says, You're perfect, I'll take you. I can use you. And I can also heal you. And my Spirit will lead you through this life every day. And all you have to do is just keep in step with the Spirit. Just just follow Him as He leads you. You're not that damaged. You're not too far gone. You're not beyond what I can work with. I can bring healing into your life. And more than that, I want you. So, 
As we come to the end of our little conversation here about Galatians 5, I, I guess I wonder if there's anybody looking at me who says, Rick, sometimes, sometimes I gratify the desires of my sinful nature. Sometimes I do things that... But sometimes I live, I live by the Spirit. Do you hear the apostle talking? You know what he's saying? No, you don't. You can't do both. They are in conflict with each other. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. They're two separate lives. You're living one or you're living the other. So which one are you living? You want to stand with me? I guess I'm going to shock you to death right now by saying that I want us to end our time praying together. I don't know. I just think it's a good way to respond. God's spoken to us through His Word, and now we can respond to the Lord. And so this morning, as we sing together, which I think is a great way to respond, we'll also pray together. And you can pray where you are, or you can come here and you can kneel at an altar and pray. So you may want to respond in your prayer by what you've heard in the sermon this morning. You say, Rick, you know, I have no doubt. I understand it clearly. I hear the Lord calling me, and I'm living according to my sinful nature. I'm not living according to the Spirit. And I want to come and I want to pray about that and I want to ask God to change my heart and do His work in me. It may be this morning that that's not what you want to come and pray about. Maybe you want to come and pray about what's going on in your life. It's either something really good or something really bad. Something that's got you really concerned or something you're really excited about. So if you want to come and pray this morning, you understand that just to come and get on your knees and talk to the Father is always a positive thing. Maybe dealing with something physical today. And if you want to come and be prayed for for healing, there'll be people here with oil and they'll simply do what the New Testament says and they will anoint your head with oil and they'll pray for your healing. And they're glad to do that. So if you want that kind of prayer, there'll be a pastor here and a pastor here. You can just walk up to them and say, would you pray for me? And they'll pray for your healing. Maybe this morning that you would say, Rick, I walk into this room as a sinner. I come into this room and I'm not following Jesus Christ with my life, but I want to be forgiven of my sin and I want to follow Christ. I want to become a Christian today. And if that's what you desire, you can come this morning and you can kneel at an altar. It doesn't mean you're becoming a member of our church. It just means that you're asking Jesus to forgive you of your sin. And if you want a pastor to pray with you, you can just motion for one of us to come and pray with you. So let's respond to the Word of God now. Let's sing together. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.